Before we begin, just to let you guys know, our logo artwork was designed by Nicole Anarchy and music by Taylor Paisley French. Warning, this podcast does contain spoilers for the Verse series. Hello everyone and welcome to the Best Damn Camp, a Rodenverse read-along analysis podcast that sets out to read all the books by Rick Riordan in timeline order. I'm your host Fran and welcome to the show. Today we continue our timeline journey with The Kane Chronicles, The Red Pyramid, Chapter 9, We Run From Four Guys in Skirts, and Chapter 10, Bass Goes Green. And these chapters are from the POV of Carter. Now, as always, I've got my points to focus on. So today we've got the magic system. And that's kind of the only point because that's the only thing I want to talk about because, oh my God, it's so good. But we'll get to that. And then, of course, just generally what I've thought of it. Uh, Before we dive in, I want to remind everyone that uh, a brand new podcast that I am on has started recently called Entering Storybook. So if you like Once Upon a Time, be sure to go check that out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and I think it's Google Play or Google Podcasts as well. And on Anchor, um, I'll link to the social media pages uh, in the episode show notes. And uh, if you want to get early access to that and also to the Best Damn Camp and get just more involvement with the Best Damn Camp in general, be sure to check me out on Patreon at patreon.com slash a healthy dose of Fran for the podcast tier where uh, you can support me that way because obviously I'm doing this full time now. So support me there and you can get lots of perks for this podcast. Um, but to get to the main point, here is the synopsis. With Bass taking charge, our siblings are being pursued by new enemies as they head to the portal. As they learn more and less about magic, danger continues to follow until they have no choice but to face it. But when a new god enters the battlefield, Bass has Sadie and Carter flee to safety as she faces them alone. A dun dun dun! Um, and yeah, honestly, this is actually already, these are some intense next couple of chapters, actually, these ones and the next ones as well. Like there's, there's a lot that happens. So just kind of, let's just get into it, friends. So first up, we have chapter nine, which is entitled, We Run From Four Guys In Skirts, which, a little disingenuous here, Carter, but you know, that's, uh, (laughs) that's just how things go. So this is the overview For chapter 9, we've run from four guys in skirts. Escaping the house with weapons and his father's bag, the siblings follow their new cat goddess to safety. While stealing a convertible car, a new horror arrives. With Brooklyn House in flames, four figures and a coffin emerge from from the wreckage and give chase. As Bass speeds through traffic, she gives a little backstory on their pursuers, the carriers. And it isn't good news. Relaying as little information as possible about gods and magicians, Bass unintentionally reveals that when their mother died, she was released. 
Add to that, unfortunately for them, Bass is not a is not strong enough to defeat a set or the incoming enemy, which is why they're going in search of more gods. And that's the overview for chapter nine. So it sounds like not too much happens here, but actually quite a bit does. So I want to get back into the feedback situation here. But first, I want to bring up a few very cool, kind of hilarious points. Um, the fact that Bass is very even i know she's the goddess of cats but the fact that she acts almost identical to a cat but somehow more chaotic is probably the best thing i've ever read so they've left the mansion they're about to leave and then she <laughs> she pulls the kittens like for protection and cover she looks out to see it and carter can't see anything there except for uh you know the ball on those wrecking ball like machine things and it's description is like she had the eyes of what cats have when they see like a ball or like one of those uh knitting ball things that they want to play with and that's literally what happens bass goes crazy and attacks a full wrecking ball destroying it into pieces and both sadie and carter are just like really a ball that that's that was the big most important possibly deadly things that <laughs> that you had to defeat right here and um <laughs> the fact that her response to it is well you know it could it could have been deadly you never know these things can be hostile and i just love that that rick has really managed to capture the chaos elements of cats in the form of bath like i just reading this i was like this is 100 percent what a cat would be like if they were in human form chaotic insane but lovable all the same <laughs> um also, uh, just in relating to that, I do like the fact that Bass doesn't, like most gods, doesn't recognise time restraints in both providing information but also kind of getting a wriggle on because this whole wrecking ball situation was when they know that they're going to be pursued by some bad people. Not necessarily the four guys in skirts at this point, but she knows that they're going to be pursued. But even so, she had to take out the hostile wrecking ball <laughs> just in case. Um which I do just in general find quite funny. Um, I will say that I, I know I noted that she doesn't provide much information, but she does though. So I think I was a little bit disingenuous here because in comparison to most other like mentor figures and even gods in general, Bass has provided quite a bit of information to like Sadie and Carter here, or at least enough for us to understand a little bit of how these things work. Um, especially for like the magic system in general, which I'll kind of, I'll talk a little bit more about later. But um, the fact that I know more about how the magic system in King Chronicles works when we're like a hundred and something pages in, in the first book, more than I understand how the magic system in Percy Jackson works is kind of hilarious. Like to this day, I do not understand what even the magic system in Percy Jackson is. So um, actually, Owen, if you're listening to this. We need to have a discussion on this either on your podcast or just at some point because I don't understand the Percy Jackson one but I'm understanding the Kane Chronicles one a lot more. <laughs> um, unless you already have and I'm sorry if I missed that episode. <laughs> um, the only other additional thing that I do want to bring up is that I do... Wait, what is it that I wanted to bring up? There was another thing that I wanted to talk about. Oh, the parental situation. So we learned that Bass is connected to ruby kane obviously carter and sadie's mum and um 
the fact that their mum's death is connected to Bass coming into the world um I'm intrigued to find more out about that because the additional thing that I quite like about it is that Bass is indebted to their father specifically so she came into this world because their mum died no further context to that the only thing that we know is because like Ruby died not necessarily because of Bass but because she died Bass is indebted to Julia so Julia said look if you want to stay in this world you need to be in a less powerful form and you need to protect my daughter so that's why Bass was Muffin because Julius wanted someone to be by Sadie's side to protect her and I really really like that and I especially like that Bass is saying this to Carter and Sadie because obviously we know that Sadie has some abandonment issues um in relation to her dad and that does actually come up in comes up in later chapters as well because well I just like that this is a, a really sweet moment that we have about her dad because he did care about her he just didn't have the opportunity to raise her because the faster dickheads but um well racist dickheads um and apparently so are the house of life which is interesting because of what will happen later but um yeah I don't know I just thought that was just a really nice moment like considering the the heartache that they have of losing their mum there is a, a brighter side sort of that comes from it in that it was a moment for Julius to show his love of Sadie then and there um which I really do appreciate but moving on to chapter 10 Bass goes green now one thing I want to say I don't get why this chapter is called Bass goes green because she 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 doesn't I don't think <laughs> um because she she takes on a avatar form but like I'm pretty sure the avatar form is like blue unless I'm wrong I mean uh I literally, I only just read this and I've already forgotten. But anyway, <laughs> here is the overview for chapter 10, Bass Goes Green. Making it to the museum and to the obelisk that looks almost identical to the one in London, Bass asks Sadie to open a portal. Just as Sadie's freaking out on what to do, trouble arrives. Taking on her combat magic form, Bass and a nervous Carter get to work trying to destroy the enemy as best they can by chopping them up into pieces. With Sadie continuing to struggle, a new danger arrives in the form of Sir Ket, the scorpion goddess. Worried and tired, Bass orders Carter and Sadie into the museum, saying she'll hold the goddess off. As the siblings run, Carter realises Bass is just ho hoping to hold her off without actually believing she'll be able to defeat this goddess. But all the same, they keep running. Dun dun dun. Um, again, going into fever. I know these chapters. These chapters aren't very long, but there is a lot of good information that is coming out of these chapters because, again, we're getting more on the magic system for this. Because, well, first we get an introduction to these. Oh God, what 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 were they called again? I literally have the name. Hold on, the carriers. So we don't fully know what the carriers are. All we know is that they are basically things that are summoned by a master and to, to go after the thing that they want and desperately keep going. They basically won't stop hunting until they're able to get the prize that their master wants put into this coffin-type seat thing. Um, but 
as we learn as both Bass and Carter are fighting them, they're kind of not fully real at the same time. They're sort of like clay figures. So when Bass and Carter are like cutting them up to pieces, so Bass will do the first slot, like cutting them in half, and then Carter will just keep bashing them up into mulch um, to keep them from reforming. That was really interesting just to kind of see that. But additionally, we learn um, about this idea of the forms of how um, the godly possession, in a sense, works. Um, but also the different levels of power that gods and magic can have. So we've seen that Bass is very athletic and has the ability to, you know, bring knives out and, you know, flip about acrobatics, knives, stabby, stabby. But in this one, we see that she can channel this huge, gigantic avatar form, and not avatar in the ah, air, earth, fire, water, <laughs> um, but or the blue people. Um, it's kind. Of, I guess what would you call, like? Maybe like the sort of thing you get in an av in like a video game, but it's this giant form of herself with her figure inside this giant protective shell in the shape of um, her Egyptian goddess form. So like a giant cat, um, where she can use this power and and it's called a combat, like magic avatar or something like that. What's it called? Com yeah, combat avatar. Um, um, and it's just, it's really interesting to read about it, just seeing her turn into this giant form that can basically crush anything in its path. And it's not just an avatar in that, it's a protective shield. Like, Carter says that when she takes a step, the whole grand ground shakes as she takes a step. Um, I think it's just really, it's just really fascinating to see this. But we're also getting a sense of the different types of magic that there is. There is um, seemingly, at least kind of from what I'm grasping, combat and sort of more practical forms of magic. So Bass is definitely a protector, combat magic sort of being. Whereas Sadie seemingly is a bit more practical, or at least Bass thinks she is, because Bass believes that she can open this portal even without any teaching. And because Bass is a combat magic creature, she can't offer any guidance on what to do, except for small little things of like, you know, just be calm and just pull onto the duat. And it's like, that means nothing to someone who knows nothing about magic. <laughs> um, but I know it's just really interesting. Like, of course, in general, like I said, it isn't helped that she doesn't know how to teach her because, you know, <laughs> nothing's going to work if if Bass doesn't actually know how to teach Sadie to do these things. So currently, Carter and Sadie's magical usages aren't great because they don't know what to do. And Bass doesn't really know how to teach them because she also kind of doesn't fully know how to use the same abilities they do. Um the only additional thing is that I'm so glad we don't have the instantaneous understanding of powers. Like, Sadie has no idea what to do. She's just kind of it's like, yeah, no, it's it's not working. What do I do? <laughs> and Carter's just like, yeah, stabby, stabby. Oh, my God, I'm dying inside. What the hell am I doing? <laughs> um, which, again, I appreciate on many levels. Um, I don't know, just in general, I just, I think the pacing of how... Because, like, obviously in Percy Jackson, by this point... Percy had a a good enough understanding of how his powers worked um or at least he was getting to that point like we'd seen him use his powers a lot at this at this stage um and he didn't seem to really struggle using them at all 
Whereas in this case, we're seeing struggles with understanding and struggles with actually trying to figure out how to do what they can do. We know they can do it. They just don't actually know how to do it. Um, so I'm kind of looking forward to get to that point where they learn a little bit more. But to go in deeper to the magic system situation, um, while we don't have much yet currently, um, I'm loving what we are learning at the moment. So specifically to do with the possession element. So gods can be summoned by humans. Obviously, we find out with the whole Judas situation. But gods seem to need host bodies, no matter the situation. Um, unless they're strong enough to be able to kind of go without them. Um, and we'll, I'll discuss that at another point. But in Bassa's case, because she was following the order of Julius, she took a less powerful host in the form of like a normal house cat to protect Sadie in that form, but also to not be too powerful. But because she's in this normal cat form, even, even as like a human now, she can't push her powers too far because her strength and abilities are too powerful as her godly form that like she could kill her host seemingly because you know she's in like a general like normal everyday cat that doesn't have that level of strength and ability as a god can channel which kind of gives me this idea or or like possibly hints to the fact that this is why they usually use magicians as hosts because they're strong enough to hold gods they have enough power themselves for the gods to be able to channel um and they can withstand and hold these strengths and kind of direct them better because they themselves are magical beings um i don't know i just i think that's really quite interesting um i also like that we're seeing a bit more of bass's abilities in general so we know that bass isn't the strongest because again of her host but we have this moment so she can has instantaneous communication with all cats all cat forms uh she has cat like reflexes in that she was literally able to drive manically in uh, a convertible car throughout the streets of new york without getting into an accident she was going up to the curb she was weaving in and out of other cars with no issue whatsoever um but also seemingly with like a growl she was able to summon seemingly all the cats of new york <laughs> To one place to stop the people in the the people who are pursuing them um so i'm liking that we're seeing more magical use both in godly form from bass and also a little bit from amos that we're just slowly building up to seeing more of this world and i just really appreciate that and i just think it's just really interesting i don't know um after kind of going from I, i'm not the sort of person who's really into like big magic systems and like lots of big fantasy because some fantasy things like um if erica's listening i'm very sorry things like dune and even some of like brandon sanderson's work um i can't always get into because it's just so dense there's just so much information that's going into it that just like i'm very much a soft magic system sort of person um, but it has to still be a magic system that I can understand. Whereas Percy Jackson, like, you get to that point of, like, it's not that I don't understand the Percy Jackson magic system, it's that it just kind of does what it wants when it's necessary and when it needs it. <laughs> like, it doesn't feel like it has any, not rules, but also kind of rules. Like, it doesn't, like, people can get tired when using their abilities, but it also feels like there is, there, there isn't much of a limit to what demigods can do. Whereas in the case of like 
magicians in this case and even gods there is a limit to the extent of what can be done based on general limitations and i'll get into that a little bit more for the next chapters as well because there's a bit more that we learn about that then um and i know i just i just really appreciate that because it's 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 fascinating like especially as an author myself like who is actually diving a bit more into fantasy and has had to come up with trying to understand how uh, a magic system could work mine is a very very soft magic system and would probably be a bit more like like a mixture between percy jackson and the king chronicles where there are some rules but like it's flexible enough that like it kind of just works on its own accord um but i don't know i just i just really like it I really like how this is going. I'm absolutely thrilled that things are progressing, the stakes are high, we're learning more so we can understand how this world works and how it's different as well from Percy Jackson, which I feel like this is the issue at some levels as to why people don't really seem to get into The King Chronicles. The King Chronicles is very different, but for all the right reasons and for all the reasons why I am occasionally disappointed with Percy Jackson because the Kane Chronicles hits all the beats that you need to understand a fantasy world without have like without feeling bogged down by the information that you're learning. Um, like I understand how this world works and that's that's amazing. So I guess to kind of <laughs> summarize all of this with the question of the episode, which of course you are all waiting to hear. Uh, so this week's question of the episode is: Do you agree with me? that the Kane Chronicles has the best magic system of the Royal Universe series. That'll be going up on our social media. I'm actually kind of intrigued to see if anyone will e email me about this because I would love to hear your thoughts. I'm wondering whether or not I may do a video about this because I'm learning a bit more about the magic system. Again, Kane Chronicles I haven't read as much and I'm now angry at myself that I didn't. But it also means it's more exciting for me to be reading this for the podcast because I'm remembering things and learning new things that I didn't remember when I was originally reading the series. Um, so yeah, do you think King Chronicles has the best magic system? But um, yeah, just with that, thank you all for joining me for these chapters. Be sure to join me next Wednesday as we continue our Royal Universe journey. To plug where you can find our podcast, we are available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audio Boom, Stitcher and Deezer. In the meantime, between episodes, you can find The Best Damn Camp on various social media at Best Damn Camp Pod on Instagram and Twitter. If you want to email me with your thoughts, you can email thebestdamncamp at hotmail.com. And if you want to support me in ways to help this podcast going, you can become a podcast patron over at patreon.com slash a healthy which is linked in the episode show notes for things like early access and other exclusive perks. Do you want more Percy Jackson content? Check me out on YouTube at A Healthy Dose of Fran. And if you want to support my own writing, drop me a follow at A Dose of Fran on Instagram, Twitter and TikTok. Again, thank you all for tuning in. As always, I have been Fran, your very own hunter. And I'll see, shall I speak to you all next time. Bye.